Well, happy birthday, Barrel Life Church. Come on, happy birthday. Come on, can we give it up for what God has done in the last several years? Yes, for the 14 years at our Moorhead campus, it's been amazing. I just can't believe it's been 14 years, and what God has done is just unbelievable uh, just to just to sit here. I, I told myself I'm not going to cry today because I'm the emotional one, right? Because I just, I just, I'm overwhelmed to see what God has done. And then what God started, we know he didn't want to just start a church. He wanted to start a movement. And a movement, anything that's healthy is going to grow. And God expanded to Grayson and to Carter County. And today we celebrate three years in Grayson. Is that not amazing? Three years of what God has done. And I'm telling you, that is unbelievable because, honestly, uh, nine out of 10 church plants fell within the first year, and then nine out of 10 of those fell by year five. We launched a campus who had no idea, right, that the very next year of launching a campus that we're going to go into a pandemic, have to close the doors down and shut the, shut the church down for a few months and things like that. And still, today, they are thriving, they're growing. A couple hundred people are showing up right now every single week in Carter County. I'm telling you, is that not amazing, the testament of what God is doing? And so I just want to say thank you, Lord, for continuing to build your church and then from there, uh, unexpectedly, we've been praying for Boy County for the last over 10 years that God would give us the opportunity when he would do that. And uh, they, a, a church approached us about merging and actually taking over and, and launching a Bear Life Church campus there in the Boy County area, in the Summit area. And today, they're with us today for the very first time with a soft launch. That's what we did here at Bear Life Church in 2008. We launched softly, and then we had like a grand opening where we invited everybody to come. And today, right now, the Ashley Campus is joining us. Is that not all? Because good for our Ashley Campus. Yes. Man, with Pastor Aaron and Derek, I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing what Lord's going to do in this region. And as Caleb just prayed and said, I believe we're really just getting started. And uh, we're in this series called No Place Like Home because we talked about where your family is, is where your home is, and you have a spiritual family. And I know for the last couple years, it's been kind of crazy, right? There's been, you know, doors open, doors closed, and, and, and all over the world's been crazy. And I think this is a year there's going to be homecoming where people are going to start to come home and realize one thing we did realize over the last couple of years is that we still need people in our life, that we still need that connection to one another. We still need each other to get each other's back, to pray for each other, to be there for one another. And so today, as this series continues, I really feel like that this year is going to be a homecoming year because there's no place like home. And if this is your home church, if Better Life Church is, is where you're going to raise your family and, and put down your roots and, and serve, this is the place that we believe that God's going to use to continue to change this region. And so I'm really excited about that. We kicked off week one talking about a place to belong, that this is the place, again, where you're going to get cared for. You're going you're to find your value and your identity, and, and that we can love on one another. And then I talk about this is a place where you can serve, right? And we know this in a household. Everybody's got the responsibilities. But God has gifted the church, the body. Every one of you have a spiritual gift. Every one of you do. If you've given your life to Jesus, God threw a birthday party for you and gave you a gift to use, watch this, to edify the body, to build up the body. This is a place you can serve that creates joy in your life and meaningful relationships and, and, and a place where you can leave a legacy that you change people's lives, that God used you to change people's lives. And then last week we talked about this is a place that you can invest. And we talked about, as Jordan said, if you want to get a snapshot of our financial thing, you can go back and listen to it. It's just a real small snapshot. But check out the end report. Um, if, you're, if this is your home, you should want to know that and see what God is doing and, and, and how he's using, uh, invested into his kingdom to really change the world. And so today I want to continue with this No Place Like Home is our last part of this series and talk about this is a place where you can bring your friends. And this is the place that you can welcome guests. And this is the place that you can invite people to be a part of. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 2 today. 
Mark chapter 2. I'll be using the New Living Translation. If you've got your Bible app, you can pull that up. But Mark chapter 2, I want to share with you this story about what happens when Jesus comes home. Like what happens when Jesus makes his way back home? What takes place? And I hope that God will use this message to really speak into your life. Because I never forget, I was thinking about this morning, when we launched the church in 2008, I stood up on, on our very first Sunday and we did a series called Game Time. And it was talking about getting to the game because it was building up to Super Bowl weekend. And so this is, you know, we were gonna have like a marriage night on Super Bowl night, February 13th, but we realized that the NFL moved back an extra week. And so the Super Bowl is gonna be on that day. And we would go in and have marriage night, but we're gonna move marriage night down because of the Super Bowl. But because of my, one of my great friends, my pastor friends, Adam Weber's team, the Bengals are gonna be winning the Super Bowl. So I figured it'd be good for us not, you know, to, to have marriage night and then we could come and celebrate, uh, you know, marriage night on down the road in February. So anyway, and so we kicked off this series called Game Time, and basically here's what it says. We're a brand new church. We're a brand new spiritual family in this community. Come on, it's time to get in the game. It's time to be part. Don't just be a you know, spectator. Anybody can sit in the stands and yell at the field, right, or yell at the coach, or yell at the ref, or yell at the players, and talk about what you think they should do. So quit being just a spectator and be a participator and get in the game. And so we talked about that our very first Sunday, and now 14 years later, basically that's what this series is about. If this is going to be your home, this is a place where you can belong, where you can get in the game. You can serve and you can get in the game. You can invest and get in the game. And today that you can bring people to and invest people to be part and bring people to be part of what God is doing. And so here in Mark chapter 2, I want you to pick up on what's taking place. Remember John the Baptist just came on the scene. He baptized Jesus. Jesus picks his disciples. He's begun his ministry. And then we pick up in Mark chapter 2, verse 1. So if you're ready to get started, say, let's go. All right, here we go. Verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. So what happens when Jesus comes home? This is the place where it's kind of his home base. This is where he kind of birthed out of his ministry. So he comes back home. Word begins to spread. Jesus is back in town. Did you hear Jesus here? Did you, can you believe what's going on in Jesus' life? Did you hear what happened? What's going on? He picked his disciples, performing miracles. He's back home. This is, this is the carpenter's son. This is the Jesus, the boy over here, you know, that put the porch on your back of your hut. You know, this is the Jesus we're talking about. He's home. And so everyone is flocking to want to be around Jesus. Verse 2. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. So I want you to get a picture of this. Think of a house, you know, everybody's around inside the house. They're outside the house setting. They'll listen through the window. They'll open the door. They're backed out into the parking lot or where you would park or, or you know, or, or park your donkey, I guess, where you're riding in your car. And so they're out there and they're listening to Jesus preach God's word inside of a house echoing out through the windows and through the door. We see this in verse 3. While he was preaching God's word to them, that would have been amazing to hear, the author of truth preaching truth. When they were preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Remember, the crowd was, was crazy. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head and then lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Now, I want you to picture this. These guys, listen, they knew Jesus would just got into town. They, they had a friend. We don't know their guy's name. We don't know the guy who, was, who couldn't walk his name. All we know is that these four men picked him up on a mat. They carried the mat. They couldn't get in the parking lot. They couldn't get in the doors. The place was so packed that they went on top of the roof. Now, back then, they think of a house that, that we didn't have the peaks that we had. It was a flat roof house. 
and it was made out of like clay and straw and stuff, and they would build steps beside the house to walk on top of the house. And on top of the house, a lot of times, where they would have a basin of water, they would put water in it, the sun would beat down all day on it, and they would bathe in that area. You would go up where you could wash clothes in that area. So this was a place that people could even hang out and talk on top of the house, so just kind of get a visual of that. Well, they go there, and they begin to tear a hole in the house. What if that was your house? And you're thinking about, they didn't even care about this. They begin to tear a hole in the house. Now, you can imagine Jesus. You know, I love the Bible. You need to visualize the Bible. Put yourself in the story. Start feel the emotions and sit there. You're listening to Jesus teach. Jesus is sitting right here teaching. And next thing you know, a piece of dirt falls and hits you in the face. Picture this. You're sitting there, and next thing you know, you're like, what in the world is going on? What's on top? And then all of a sudden, you see daylight coming through your roof, right, of your house. Like someone tore the roof off, and next thing you know, there's these guys looking down through a hole in the roof, and they're like, hey, sorry to interrupt the sermon, but just a moment here. And they take him, and they lower him down in front of Jesus on a mat. Don't you think that's strange? It's kind of strange, eh? See, I love the Bible. The Bible's so fascinating. Like, oh my gosh, we just read over stories like this and we really don't pay attention to really what's going on. So put yourself in the situation and you could really start gleaming and understanding the Bible. They couldn't bring to Jesus, so they dug a hole, they loaded right in front of Jesus. Verse five, this is very important. Seeing their faith. If you like to write in your Bible, you should circle there. Their faith. Their faith. Not his faith, their faith, which means this, your faith has the power to change people around you. It was their faith. I don't want, don't see, don't read over stories like this and miss this. It was their faith, and look what it says to so the paralyzed man. He says this, my child, your sins are forgiven. He saw their faith, and he performed a miracle, and he forgave this guy's sins right from it. See, all of them believed, but one was healed here. So listen to, don't underestimate the power of your faith. Don't underestimate the power of how you can have an impact of people at work, at school, in the locker room, in your classroom. You have impact around everyone. And people are looking at, watch this, your faith. And God can see your faith and move mildly on your behalf. And then it came to verse 6. He says, but some of the teachers of the religious law were sitting there thinking, thought to themselves. What is he saying? Like, this is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Now, they didn't say that out loud. They had that in their thoughts. They're sitting there thinking, what in the world is this guy doing? Now, why would the religious people get so upset for Jesus looking at someone and says, your sins are forgiven? Let me tell you why. Because here was a man who was forgiving people's sins outside of Jerusalem, away from the temple, watch this, for free. Forgiveness is not free. You're supposed to take a lamb, a dove, or a sacrifice to the temple before the priest. You're to sacrifice that animal. Why? Because they gotta be shedding of blood for forgiveness of sins. Sin is costly, and it will cost something for your sins to be forgiven. Now, Jesus is forgiving people's sins for free outside of Jerusalem, away from the temple. You can imagine why the religious people are so upset. Because for hundreds and hundreds of years, if your sins are going to be forgiven, you make the trek to Jerusalem, you get before the priest, you sacrifice an animal. Why? Because God said without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. Sin is costly. And now Jesus is forgiving sins for free. Why? Because he put his sins on credit because he's about to go to the cross and he's about to die for this guy's sin. So he had the power to say, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because my blood is getting ready to be shed for you. So I have the power to forgive you of all your sins. But that's not what the man wanted. The man wants to walk. 
He heard about Jesus performing miracles. He heard about, hey, I heard this baby. And his friends believed that Jesus could do it so much, they picked him up on a mat, went to somebody's house, dug a hole in the roof, and lowered him in front of Jesus. And Jesus says, yo, what's up, man? Your sins are forgiven. That's not what he came for. He came to be healed. And Jesus did heal him. He healed him from his sin, which is the greatest sickness and illness that all of us would ever have in our entire life. And Jesus heals him. So they were thinking, this is impossible. So Jesus says in verse 9, I mean, excuse me, verse 8, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. I want you to know that. Jesus knows your thoughts. Like you don't have to say your words. He knows your thoughts. You can say, well, I didn't say that about her, but I was thinking that about her. He knows your thoughts. Well, I didn't say that about him, but I was thinking that about him. He knows your thoughts. So he didn't have to, he hears your thoughts. So he heard what they were saying in their hearts. And he said to them, he says, why do you question this in your hearts? In the Bible, your mind is always connected with your heart. What you think, what you feel, what you feel, what you think, your mind, your heart, they're, they're the same. He goes, why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to stand up and pick up your mat and walk home? Which one's easier to do? It's easier to say, yo, your sins are forgiven. Why? Who can prove that? Who can prove if someone says, hey, your sins are forgiven? Oh, okay, cool, great. Who, who, how do you prove that? Because only God can forgive sins. But Jesus was setting them up. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. And so he says here in verse 10, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. I'm gonna show you evidence that I just forgave his sins. How did you show that evidence? Look, it says, Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers, and they were all amazed, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. So Jesus just proved to them that I did forgive his sins because watch this. Yo, bro, pick up your mat and go home. Pick up your mat and go home. And the paralyzed man was healed. Now, you may say, what in the world does it have to do about us? And what does it have to do about us bringing people to Jesus? Here's what you got to understand. See, when Jesus speaks, demons flee. When Jesus speaks, winds and waves obey him. When Jesus speaks, addictions are broken. Prodigals come home. When Jesus speaks, hope is available. Hope of what? Hope of a better life. Do you think this man's life is now better or worse because he encountered Jesus? Sins are forgiven and now he can walk. Do you think his life is going to be better or it's going to be worse? Honestly, we know his life got better. That's what happens when you meet Jesus. Not that your life will be easier, but your life is better. Why? If all that God does for you is cross out your name and guarantees you heaven and not hell, that should make your life better. And that's all he does for you. And we don't deserve anything else because what we do deserve was hell. But thanks be to God that he sent his son to die for me and you. And because of that, we have freedom in Christ. And so listen, no matter what happens on earth, for the short time we're here, we should rejoice that our names have been written in that great Lamb's book of life. And so he heals this man because he spoke this. Now, there's a few observations I want to make, and then I'm going to share with you about maybe what you could do, what might be your next step. Here's a few observations. When I read through the story that I, I want to apply to us as a church family. And here's the first point is this. We must regain a sense of urgency. We're coming off one of the most craziest years in the history of my entire life, probably yours as well, and things are going crazy, and things will continue to get crazier. And listen, the church, this is not a time for the church to retreat. This is a time for the church to advance. Anytime when things happen like this in our world, the world gets turned upside down and everyone's questioning everything, people don't know what's going on, it's the best time ever for the church to stand up and say, listen, we may not know the future, but we know the one who holds the future in his hands. 
and we can look to him and we can trust him. Listen, we must regain this sense of urgency. Now, what made these guys so urgent to bring the friend of Jesus? Because they didn't know how long he was going to be there. Jesus could have left at any moment. He could leave in the middle of the night. They cared so much about the friend that they're going to do whatever it takes to get that person to Jesus. Now, what if we had that same urgency? Because for most of us, we're like, well, somebody else would invite them to church. Well, somebody else would bring them. Or, hey, let's just shoot them a text, and I don't want to really offend them. I don't want to scare my friend away from church. Where are you going to scare them to? Hell number two? I mean, think about it. Like, where are you going to scare them to? So he's like, I don't want to scare people. Wait, 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 we're the church. If you're loving people, blessing people, being just people, I promise you, you're not going to scare them away. We got to regain this sense of urgency that we've got to go after people. Why? Because Jesus can come back at any moment. At any moment. The stage is ready. At any time he could come. It's at any moment. Everything is in the process of being fulfilled for him to make that step to come get his church. And we have to have a sense of urgency that it can happen at any moment any moment. So the people that we love, our family, our friends, our spouse, our kids, our grandparents, it doesn't matter, your co-workers, the people in your area circle of influence, do you have a sense of urgency to live out Jesus in front of them and then get them to a place where they can hear the gospel? Folks, listen, we have to regain this. We've got to regain this sense of urgency. Here's the second thing that we got to understand is that every single person, every single person matters to God and they are waiting on someone to bring them to Jesus. They're waiting. They're waiting on you for you to get them and bring them to Jesus because they can't come on their own. The paralytic guy, he can't, he's paralyzed. He couldn't come on his own. Someone had to bring him to Jesus. There was no way he could get to Jesus. And so someone had to bring him, and I love this because they were united, these four guys said, come on, we're stronger together and let's go after them. And he, they picked him up and they brought him to Jesus. Listen, the stakes have never been higher. Lostness is running rampant. The, our world is on a major spiritual decline. Culture is changing. I mean, secularism is it's flooding all over the place. It's growing. Godliness is increasing all over the place. And sadly, an entire generation is being raised up not knowing who Jesus is. An entire generation, not on our watch, We've got to regain this sense of urgency and we've got to understand that every single body matters to God and we must do whatever it takes to bring them to Jesus. Folks, I looked up the stats. You know, there's 24,000. Let me speak to the Moorhead campus real quick. There's 24,000 people in our county. 19,000 of them are in bed this morning. 19,000 of them did not step into a house of worship anywhere. Now, they may be worshiping online and we're so glad that we have the supplement that you could do this. But online is just a supplement. I am thankful. There's 19,000 people. That means that every, almost every house that you drove by today, your friends, the closest people that you work with, that you love, your boys, your girls, all this stuff, listen, your bae, your boo, whatever you want to call them, are at home this morning. And they are waiting for someone to bring them. They have an illness, a disease of their sin, as you had. And we have to cure the answer. His name is Jesus. And they're waiting for us to bring them. 19,000 people. That's what I'm saying. We're just now getting started. You go over to Carter County. Listen, let me speak to the Gracie campus real quick. 26,000 people in the county. 26,000. 21,000 of them this morning, according to statistics, are not in church. 
21,000 people. These are pe Listen, these are not bad people. These are people you work with, you go to school with. These are people you love, you go play ball with. You go hang out with them. You're gonna watch the game with them. You go shopping with them. Like, these are the people that you love. They're not bad people. They just don't know Jesus. Or they know about him, but they never received him. They play church, but they don't know the one who builds his church. 21,000 people in Carter County. Let's go over to Boyd County. 47,000 people, 36,000 of them in Boyd County, according to statistics, are not in a house of worship. 36,000 people. And I'm just talking three counties, y'all. Three counties. I'm not talking. We can keep spreading out. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Listen, we have not arrived. On our 14th anniversary, yes, we want to look back and celebrate what God has done, but folks, we better roll up our sleeves because there's so much more. There's so much more that God wants to do. And here's what I know. God wants to use you. He has used you. He is using you. And he wants to continue to use you for his glory. And that's why I believe it's so important that you find a spiritual family. And I've said this thousands of times over the series. If this is not your home, go find you a home church and invest your family, invest your finances, invest your talents, and, and use everything God's given you. Watch this. To build his kingdom. And I was, that is truly, really what I want for you. It's not what I want from you. It's what I want for you. That you will be part of, like watch this, like when we leave here, when our generation's done, and we're all different generations, can we look back and say, God used me just a little bit to make this place a little better? I tell this to high school students all the time. It's when I talk to them, I said, can, can, did God use you to leave that place just a little bit better? Did you have a little bit more impact on friends around you? Just little by little. You're not gonna change them all, but can you change a few? Little by little, can that be on our watch when we leave and our legacy? Guess what? That God is using you to make a little difference and to people around us. And then third and last point is that we must do everything we can to remove barriers to get people to Jesus. And folks, that's really been our motto for the last 14 years. We're not gonna let, we have no sacred cows here. We will change what we need to change. We never change the message. Jesus Christ crucified. He came, he died. Three days later, he got up of the grave. He lived a sinless life. He ascended to the Father. That will never, ever, ever change as long as I'm your pastor. I promise you that. But the methods have to change, especially coming off the last two years. We've got to figure it out. We've got to change. How are we going to reach people? The methods. The message never change, but the methods have to change. There's no sacred cows here. We'll do whatever it takes to reach people who are far from God. We'll remove every barrier. One of the biggest barriers, I'm telling you this, 14 years ago when we started the church, and I hope it's not that today, and maybe it is in this, the mindsets of it in our region, but one of the biggest barriers we had when I invited people to church, they didn't say what denomination where you are, what translation do you use, where's your location. The number one question they asked me is what do I have to wear? And so I decided from day one, more pair of jeans and a t-shirt every Sunday, and that's what I'm preaching. Why? Well, I said, you're welcome to come just the way you are so you don't remove any barrier to feel like, hey, that what I have on, it, it keeps me from coming to church. In over 14 years, you would not believe the stories of the church. This is the first place I've come that just welcomed me. It's the first place I could come and just be myself. It's the first, that you genuinely care that you want me here. We have testimonies over testimonies. Why? Because we're gonna do whatever it takes to remove any barrier that keeps people from hearing Jesus. We want them to experience him. These guys, listen, they removed, they destroyed a man-made barrier. And I'm gonna be honest with you, there's so many denominational man-made barriers across the world that are keeping people from coming from Jesus. Because the more concerned what color of the carpet's gonna be than a lost friend dying going to hell. 
We are not gonna play church. We're gonna be the church that God's called us to be. And we're not gonna let any of that stuff, man-made stuff, keep us from reaching people who are far from God. We're gonna go after them. We gotta do whatever it takes to bring hope to the hopeless. And folks, listen, it's a hopeless world out there. And this is a place where you're gonna come and get fed and then you're gonna come and you're gonna get energized. You're gonna come and you're gonna say, guess what? We may step on your toes, but we're gonna leave you here with some practical applications because we believe that God wants to do something great in your life and you're gonna leave here a little bit better than when you came. If not, at least you're gonna have a plan how you can get a little bit better this week. When you follow Jesus and do what he wants you to do. And so you may ask the question, I'll ask this question to you. How has God used a local church to change your life? Every church you've ever attended in your whole life has been a church plant, every one. Someone birthed that church in their mind, God put it in their heart, and they planted it. Every church you've ever attended, at some point in this life was a church plant. How has the local church changed your life? I would take it a step further. How has God used Better Life Church to impact your life? Has there been any change? Has there been any transformation? Because we believe that God wants everyone to experience a better life. In fact, that's the mission and vision of our church. It's to help people follow Jesus. That means takes next steps so they can experience a better life. That's why we exist. That's why we planted this church. And God started here in Moorhead and he spread over to Grayson and he went over to Ashland. I have no idea where's next. Mount Sterling, Huntington, Ohio. You know if we go Ohio, God's up to something. Y'all know that, don't you? I don't know. I'm not gonna put a number on it. I'm not gonna put a time frame on it. Here's our, here's our, listen. It's not my church. We just sung the song, he builds his church. And he's looking for people who says what? They have a sense of urgency. They're gonna get plugged in and says, you know what? I'm gonna move on behalf of these people here because I see their faith and your faith has the power to change the people around you. That's what I wanna be part of. That's what I want you to be part of. And so if planting Better Life campuses all over this region is one of the strategies that God wants to do, then we'll do. Because our vision and mission is this. We listen to Jesus and just do what he tells us to do. We go where he wants us to go. We'll go wherever he, wherever he says to go. It's his church. And so that is our vision. So why now? Why the sense of urgency? Because the time has never been greater. We don't have time to waste. Listen, life is short. Hell is hot. We've got to go after people. We can't play church anymore. Let's be the church that God has called us to be. People are looking for hope, and we have the answer. So what is our next step? In fact, maybe what is your next step? In front of you, you everyone should have this card here probably. It says, no place like home. If you're online or watching, we can get you a digital copy. They may be even one. But I want you to grab this real quick because I just want to walk you through what we have went through for the last four weeks. Now listen to me. Everyone has a next step. Every one of us at a different level have taken the next step. You never arrive. And I want to encourage you to take at least one next step. Some of you, this may be your home church. This may be a place you're like, hey, I'm new to this, but this is where I want to be part of. You may take all these. I want you to look through these, and I want you to say, what is your next step? All of us have that. And there's all kinds of things we can do, but these are the ones I just went through over the last few weeks. Is this a place where you can belong and find community? Now listen, I know that everyone can't do this because of things and this, this housing and, and what's going on in our world and stuff, but we can open up the facility. We can, we can help you find a place, but would you be willing to say, you know what, I'm gonna make a six weeks commitment. Six weeks, six days of those six weeks. Six hours, about an hour a week for the next six weeks. Six hours, that's what that really looks like. Am I willing to make a six hour, six week commitment just to jump into a group 
and see if I could find community in a group. If that's you and you're like, man, I don't know really where to go. I had, listen, could you host one? Do you have, a, you're already meeting groups, you know that. You have clusters of friends. What about if you got your friends together and say, hey, you know what? I know we always meet and we hang out, maybe watch the game, or hey, we always maybe have dinner together. Hey, could you come over for the next six weeks? We're gonna come over for an hour and hang out, and we're just gonna, we're gonna talk about what God's doing in our lives. Would you be willing to come to that? So you get to pick who you wanna be in your group. You get to pick your friends. If that's you and say, hey, I like to either jump into one or I like to host one, you just say, my next step is I'm gonna look for and find community and my spiritual family at Bear Life Church. At all of our locations, everyone, and Ashland and Grayson, I want you to do this with you right now. And that might be your next step. For, the, for you, you might say, you know what? I like to serve. I have a gift, I don't know, or I don't know what my gift is. And I, w- I want to figure out what that is and somehow use it. Maybe you can't serve on Sunday morning. We got Wednesday night youth. We have college nights that happen once a month. It's just fabulous, unbelievable what God's doing through our student ministries. It's unbelievable. We have, we have prayer teams, we have breakfast. Like, we, we have a place for you. And if not, we will find one. Why? Because we're a family. We want you to use your gift. Maybe say, hey, you know what? I don't know what opportunities they are, but I'm interested and I'd like to take a next step in serving the Lord through my church. If that's you, just check that. And listen, we're gonna help you take it. We're gonna walk you through. We're gonna hold your hands. We'll put gloves on if we have to, right? Right. We'll hold your hands and we'll, we'll put a mask through and we're gonna walk you through this. We wanna help you take your steps. That's who we are. That's our mission. That's, that's why God put us here, is to help all of us to take next steps. Maybe for you, it says, you know what, after listening to last week and seeing where the finance is going, because really, honestly, we trust, I'm gonna start investing in Bear Life Church. And if you missed last week's message, you go back and listen to that. But basically what it says, I'm gonna invest in, in the kingdom of God through Bear Life Church. Remember, you don't give to the church financially. You don't give to the church, you give through the church. Every dollar you give is missions. High at the end of the day, because we're all about reaching people, no matter what we do for buying curriculum for kids and spending money buying curriculum for kids. That's about missions to help them learn about Jesus on their level. So everything we do is missions. But maybe your next step say, hey, you know what? I just want you to know, I'm gonna start investing. I'm I'm, I'm gonna start being a part of that. And maybe that's your next step. And then today, I talked about bringing people to Jesus. Every one of you should check this one. I'm gonna be honest. If you're a Christian, you should check this. Because God doesn't save you to take you to heaven. He saved you and left you on earth so you'd make a difference. And when he's finished with you, you'll, you'll to breathe your last breath. Until then, let's go after him. And so this is like, I'm gonna invite and pray and share my story with those in my circle of influence. So here's what I want you to think about. Who in your circle of influence, your friends, that you know are not connected to Jesus or they're not connected to the spiritual family, and you're gonna say, I'm gonna make it this year, my mission, as I'm gonna write their names down, I'm gonna pray for them, and I'm gonna pray for God to open up the eyes of their heart, because only he could do that. You can't save nobody. I can't save nobody. Open the eyes of the heart, and then I'm gonna pray that God will give me opportunities, one, to share my story, share testimony, share what God's doing in my life, or two, or three, whatever one number I'm on there, is that I'm gonna have looking for an opportunity to invite them to come with me on a Sunday, or invite with me to come to an event, invite them to come with me to hear the message, how Jesus loves them. And so these are the next steps that we put down as a church family. All of us have a next step to say. And maybe you're saying, Pastor, I'm already doing every one of those. Awesome. Here's your mission. Now go find other people to do what you do. Help other people take steps. Help other people launch a group. Help other people start serving. Help them find a gift. Help other people learn about how when you can't outgive God, invest in his kingdom. Help people see. You go help and reach people who don't know Jesus. All of us have a next step. What's yours? And so what I'm gonna ask you to do is just put your name, your phone, your email, 
and we're gonna watch this. We will follow up with you and say, how can we help you? We wanna hold your hand and walk you through this. We have some resources. We wanna give you resources on every one of these. And maybe like, dude, I wanna do every one of them. Awesome, jump in. And in a moment when you leave, you're gonna have opportunities to drop this in the back when you leave and to say, hey, just drop it off. And watch this, this week we will contact and say, how can we help you? Take your next steps. Now, this is something that you're like, well, I'm just embarrassed and I don't know. This, listen, don't, we're a family. We're a spiritual family and we're here to help each other follow after Jesus. And so come on, no place like home. Home is where your family is. If this is your home church, this is your spiritual family. You're stuck with this for a while, right? And we're gonna do everything we can to help you follow Jesus. So I'm gonna ask you this for a moment to bow your head. As you process what step you're gonna take, Maybe you just ask God right now, God, what's my next step? And whatever he just tells you to do, do it. I don't know if I can do that. I'm nervous. I don't know who can I invite. Then do it. I just don't know if I'm ready financially. I don't know if I, if God said do it, do it. He promised you. Go back and listen to last week. He'll take care of you. I just don't know if I really have anything to offer. I don't have no gifts. And the moment that you have a chance to listen to God's word, and apply God's word, the devil's gonna come instantly and begin to lie to you. you you're no good. If, if they knew what you who you really are, you wouldn't serve. You can't give your living paycheck to paycheck. Community, oh, you're afraid. Listen, everything's going on. You can't invite nobody. You can't go to nobody's house. You can't meet nobody. Your friends, ah, somebody else wanna get them. You don't wanna offend your friends. They might not be your friends anymore. They might think you're cool. They might not wanna hang out with you. They may not talk to you. The moment that God speaks, and he wants you to take a step, I promise you the devil will be there to lie to you. And if any of those thoughts are coming through your mind, listen, that's the devil. You just listen to Jesus, do what he tells you to do. And I promise you, I promise you, God will come and lead you through these next steps. Maybe for you, your next step at one of our campuses is you just don't know Jesus. You know about him, but you've never given your life to him. Today could be that day. Now, I say this all the time, all the time, saying a prayer doesn't save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And right now, if your heart declares that Jesus Christ is Lord, then listen to me, Grayson. Listen to me, Ashley. Come on, Moorhead. Everybody watching online. You can confess that today. Just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, as best as I know how, I give my life to you. Now, forgive me of all my sin and help me follow you for the rest of my life. Listen, I believe if you prayed that with me, listen, welcome to the family. And host is gonna come out just in a moment and help you take your next step and what your next step may be. Why? Because we all have steps to take. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the last 14 years. You've been faithful, Lord, to your word. You've been faithful to your promise. God, you've done what only you could do. Only you could get the glory for what you've done. Only you could get the credit. And so, Father, we thank you. God, we thank you in advance for what you're gonna do, for how, God, you're gonna continue to change this region through your church as you continue to build it. God, I wanna thank you right now for every single person today who says, you know what, I have a next step, this is my next step, and they're bold enough to say, hey, help me take my next step. We're here, God, to help them do that. I pray that you would just give them the faith and, and the courage to take that step and say, okay, all right, I'm gonna try this out. This is my family. And God, I can't wait to see what you're gonna do. We love you, Jesus. In your name we ask and we pray. Amen.